Welcome to Broad and Walnut. I'm your host, Michael Gorman. We are brought to you today by Run Avalon. RunAvalon.com. If you love yoga, if you love running, if you love any sort of workout and you want to look great and feel great, go to RunAvalon.com and buy some of their apparel. Uh, you will not be disappointed and you will look thin which is probably all that matters to you. I will guarantee you will look thin in their clothing. So go check them out, runavalon.com. Okay, on the pod today, we have Scott Kudre, owner of Lloyd Whiskey Bar on Gerard Avenue in Fishtown. I love this bar. I've been a huge fan of this bar for a long time. If you've never been there, go check them out. Um, Scott runs a great bar with great cocktails and great food and obviously great whiskey. He knows all about whiskey. And that's what we sit down and talk about today for roughly 30 minutes. All the ins and outs of whiskey and what makes a good whiskey, a bad whiskey, um, how to order it. It's a really interesting interview, I thought, if I say so myself. But uh, Scott really knows his stuff, so I, I really appreciated his time today. Okay, a couple things before we get started. I wanted to mention Keith Morgan, who was one of our early podcast guests. If you remember, he was a medical marijuana grower processor applicant in the state of Pennsylvania. Well, we just found out two weeks ago that he was awarded a permit, one of only 12 uh, applicants out of 179, roughly, I think, uh, that won a permit. So I'm really happy for Keith. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that interview, uh, please go back and check it out. We got a lot of great feedback on that interview. Uh, people, People found it really interesting. Uh, so congratulations, Keith. Uh, and finally, if you like what you hear, please follow us on Twitter at Broad and Walnut is the handle at Broad A N D Walnut is our Twitter handle, and also subscribe to us on iTunes. All right, enough from me. Thanks for listening, uh, and let's get to the interview. Here's Scott Kudre. Here. Hey Scott Kudre, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Mike? I'm good. Um, so we are we are uh, at Scott's Bar on Gerard Avenue in Fishtown, called Lloyd Whiskey Bar. It's probably my favorite bar in the city, and I'm not even a huge whiskey guy, but you really kind of don't have to be here. I just love the atmosphere and the food. The food is great, and the, my wife loves the cocktails. Um, you just really nailed it with this bar. So I just want to first off say that, uh, and it's it's good to be here. And maybe I'll have some whiskey after we're done. Um, how long have you been here now? We will be five, right around Halloween this year. Five years. Five years old, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you've really seen the neighborhood change, I'm sure. We have, yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, we were by no means the pioneers, but we were close. We were definitely on the uh, on the first wave, and it's fun to kind of like see where it's going. How would you describe your bar? Bar is, I don't know, I guess we call it pretentious, pretension-free whiskey bar yeah. in that, uh, you know, we, we definitely pride ourselves on accessible price tags and then also kind of comfort food that's elevated but not coming in over anybody's head we want everybody to enjoy themselves we like to have you know i I take i take a lot of pride and joy in seeing somebody sipping a manhattan while listening to you know wu-tang clan just completely all all bets are off which makes for a fun time and kind of de uh de-stuffifies the whiskey experience yeah right i think the whiskey experience for a lot of people uh could be 
they're sort of there's it's daunting to them to to how do I order a whiskey? And I, I want to get into all that today. Sure. Um, but they're probably intimidated. A lot of people, in, you know, the general public, on how to do that. Correct. I, I'm sure. Yeah. And I've seen you actually go through the, go through with customers before about how to order and, and what they like. And right. um, I think you have a really good way of about you about yourself doing that. And I well, really thank like you. It. It's um, also easier to uh, to approach a product that instead of eighteen dollars might cost twelve, which is the difference between here and Center City. Yeah. You know. So same whiskey. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. right, exactly. So there's a there's an automatic approachability built in just based on you're not parting with as much of your paycheck in order to do it. You yeah, know? good point. I know. Um, and I want to learn all about whiskey today. That's obviously why uh, the main reason why I had you on the podcast um, because I feel like whiskey, like craft beer in a way, has gone through somewhat of a revolution. Um, it's sort of exploded over the last ten years. I would imagine. Absolutely, yes. Okay. Did you, when did you start seeing that? Um, I was working at a whiskey bar in Manhattan for five years, leading up to the five years that we've been here, and I kind of, while there, saw the huge upswing. So definitely between five and ten years ago it started, and now it's just continued through the roof. So you're a bartender, and all of a sudden you started noticing people ordering whiskeys more than they had before? Yeah, but I I also worked at a whiskey-specific bar called the Whiskey Ward on the Lower East Side, and just kind of people's interest and, and, and the amount of sales of Jameson versus all these new kind of like craft spirits just skyrocketed. Okay. I mean, no, I'm sorry, I said that backwards. Skyrocketed in proportion to Jameson, all these other kind of like craft spirits. Understood, kind of yeah, yeah, and, of course. Uh, yeah, because I was trying to think like when it crossed over because like in college I can remember doing shots of whiskey, right? And you brought like, like at what point did you say, okay, I'm going to start sipping whiskey now and like it's going to actually be a drink as opposed to being like a, you know, a kid in college doing a shot on a Friday night. Right. Yeah, well, I was uh, I was probably in my early 20s when I started drinking whiskey, like on the rocks, Woodford or, or, or Dickel or something, you know, something with that $7, $8, $9 price tag back in the, in the early 2000s. Yeah. And then uh, my love for it just kind of took off the, the more I worked with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the more I learned about it, the more I kind of appreciated it and was exposed to new things. And trying new ones. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess, and, and we're going to get into pricing and how, what makes a good whiskey, what makes a bad whiskey. What, what is whiskey, I guess? Okay, so whiskey is, I'm, I'm a, first and foremost, I'm a bourbon and rye whiskey. I'm an American whiskey drinker. Uh, I, I do enjoy scotch, but to a much lesser degree. Um, in broad terms, whiskey is, uh, bourbon whiskey is corn-based, barrel-aged distillate, essentially. Okay. Um, so it is necessarily 51% or more corn, mm-hmm. um, and then a combination of rye and malted barley, um, filling out the mash bill. And then it is necessarily made in the U.S. Rec- up until recently, it was required that it be made in Kentucky. That has, th- those kind of uh, parameters have been lifted. The United States government required that it only be made in Kentucky? Yeah, in order, in order for a bourbon to be called a bourbon, it had to come from Kentucky, meaning bourbon county but expanded outward to encompass all of kentucky okay those kind of uh that stipulation has been lifted and now it just means american uh 51 percent or more corn and then aged in new american oak got it and that's a bourbon yes those are the three qualifications of bourbon got it all right uh rye is very similar with the exception that it flips the the percentage required from 51 percent or more corn to 51 percent or more rye and then corn and malted barley 
ending out the mash bill. So they're really very close cousins. It's just which one is more prevalent okay. is, is what gives it its nomenclature. Is bourbon only made in the United States? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, and is that the reason for that? Is it just these other countries have not taken it on, or is it just an American thing, or like? How? It's just an American thing. The I've, same way, kind of a, a close comparison would be the way that champagne has to come from the Champagne region of France. Yes. Um, outside of that, there's plenty of sparkling wines. They're just called something different because they don't meet that criteria okay same as a, a cognac there's brandy all over the world but in order to be a cognac it has to come from cognac france so it's just a geographical requirement how long does the distillation process is that the word distillation distillation yeah. how long does the distillation process take uh not long the distillation process is the easy process so you're basically fermenting grains like in this case corn or rye primarily um, malted barley being the, the third most common ingredient, um, distilling it. So you're loading all that. You're 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 fermenting it in a uh, giant barrel that is the mash. That's basically you're making beer at that point. Oh no kidding. Yeah. Okay. And then you're loading that into a still. There are different types of stills. There's a copper. Uh, sorry. There's a uh, a pot still or a column still, and many other forms. But each one lends kind of. A minor characteristic change, um, some more preferable than others to different distillers. It all depends on who you ask. Okay. So it. once it goes through that process, you're basically forcing raw whiskey, raw raw distillate, evaporate into into the still, and then catching that liquid, catching that liquid, putting it in a barrel, and aging it. Okay. So the aging process then. The helped. aging process is the the. By, by far the most important and most uh, character-revealing uh, element of, of the process. And obviously that varies from company to company, how they do it. Absolutely. And, and I mean, what, what's like on the, the long end or the short end? What are the long and short ends of, of aging? Um, a whiskey becomes, a, a bourbon becomes a bourbon immediately the second that it hits a barrel. So if it goes into a barrel for a minute and you pull it out, it's bourbon. Okay. Um, you'll you'll rarely see less than two years. I think two years is a pretty good cutoff. Where, you know, if you, if you buy a bottle of Jim Beam that doesn't have an age on the bottle, it's at least two years old. Uh, some of these kind of like local guys, these more craft, are are cutting it a little bit earlier, mm -hmm. simply because they have to in order to start. I was going to say, so you, you decide <laughs> to go in the business, and you're like, oh my god, I got to wait two. I got to right. This exactly. idea two years prior to when I can launch it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, that's why you're seeing a lot of these younger products coming out from these local distilleries. Um, also, a lot of these guys will have a little side business. They'll, they'll produce vodka in the meantime because there is no aging process. So basically, you're pulling that same distillate off, splitting splitting your your yield in half, and just kind of redistilling the one and calling it vodka and pushing it out while the other one kind of is your is your pride product i guess you would God, call yeah, it yeah 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 uh good sorry no so then on the longer end you know you'll see you know i mean you can find bourbon that's 20 years old um but i would say by and large the sweet spot is between like the six and ten year range wow no yeah. kidding yeah so at this point do you have the ability to can you taste it and, and realize like how long it's been aged I think to some degree you can. You can yeah, okay. yeah. Um, 
it's interesting. A lot of a lot of with the uh, the demand that we've kind of like already addressed. That is this huge boom in the whiskey in the whiskey world. Yeah, a lot of the big guys, let's say Maker's Mark or or some of the bean products are pulling age statements off of their labels, meaning they're no longer specifying how long it's been aged, and they're cutting the age back, and they're basically manipulating the barrel to reach. They're they're they're, they're meeting a standard in taste rather than in age hmm. so that they can cut back the age so that they can keep up with demand. It's gone that kind of haywire. Wow. Yeah. And they've figured out how to, obviously, like scientifically, they figured out how to do that. Right. And, yeah. Uh, so there are different means of doing that. One is there are different places in, basically, so the, the aging takes place in a giant warehouse full of barrels, and they might be six, eight, ten barrels high. I mean, they could, and, and you name it, it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and where they fall in terms of height and also within the warehouse is going to absorb is going to dictate how much whiskey flavor is absorbed by the wood. Okay. So they oh, wow. you know they can shrink and they can manipulate and also the degree to which the barrels charred, the size of the barrel. There are a lot of ways to manipulate how much interaction with the wood the the spirit is getting mm-hmm. and therefore taking on what aging does. Oh wow. So okay, that's really yeah. cool. All right, so uh, most whiskey in the world is distilled in five regions. Uh, the Scottish whiskey, Irish whiskey, Canadian whiskey, Tennessee whiskey, and Kentucky whiskey, which we just talked about, bourbon. Um, can you, at this point, can you taste a whiskey and know where it's from? Yeah. You yeah. can, okay. The, uh, the one, the one hang-up would be Canadian versus American. Mm-hmm. Uh, Canadians, Canadian whiskeys are primarily rye, um, so they take on the form of an American rye whiskey very similarly. Okay. Um, so this Canadian whiskey is like Crown Royal, right? Yeah. Canadian Club. Yeah. There are a few. Um, there's one called Alberta Dark, which is a little bit higher end, but for the most part, Canadian whiskey is not not experiencing the, the craft boom that we are. It's pretty pretty limited. Okay. Um, some So going back, some Irish whiskeys that people are familiar with, there's Jameson's, obviously, Bushmills. Michael Collins, Powers, sure. Um, Scottish whiskeys, uh, Glenlivet, uh, Macallan, Oban. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned the Canadian whiskeys there, and in Tennessee is I think they're famous, uh, most famous, obviously for Jack Daniels and Correct. George Dickel. Yes, right. Um, and then so Kentucky bourbons. Who, who, can we talk about what are the most popular bourbons? Uh, in terms of sales volume, I would say Jim Beam. Jim Beam is huge. Jim Beam owns a lot of labels that people might not realize so old granddad is a huge like kind of entry level price wise uh bourbon as is jim beam white label there are probably 20 brands within the jim beam distillery wow. you you have a don't you have a cocktail or not a cocktail a special with the old granddad the old granddad and a high life we offer for four dollars during happy hour um from five to eight monday to friday and then uh, it's six dollars after that, so super cheap. And oh, I'm a wow. huge, huge Granddad fan. No kidding. Okay. Yeah. And that's made by Jim Beam. That's made by Jim Beam. Okay. It is their high rye um, kind of entry level spirit. So I, I tend to like rye whiskeys and bourbons. This is kind of the best of both worlds because it's a bourbon, but it's a, a higher rye. It's not 51 percent or more. Yeah. M- maintaining its bourbon status, but it's higher than you would expect. What are the other uh, bourbons besides? Jim Beam that are popular. so so those that would be the biggest distillery. Beneath that, um, one of my favorites is Buffalo Trace. So Buffalo Trace is responsible for 
Buffalo Trace, the namesake that we're all familiar with, uh, most of us are at this point. Yep. And then there's Weller, there's Eagle Rare, there's Colonel E.H. Taylor, there's 1792. They're another one who have a really, really broad portfolio, but with with zero duds. <laughs> Whereas Jim yeah. Beam, Jim Beam is you know they're the they're huge, and and some of my favorite some of my favorite whiskeys come from Jim Beam, but they're also not shy to play in the uh, in the, in the honey and apple categories you know so so there's that which uh i don't know buffalo trace for me has the uh the highest success rate they don't they don't put anything out that's not you know of considerable quality wait so the way like craft beer companies have like added like a peach or a a grapefruit and the whiskey guys are doing that too like they're not it's not sometimes not just pure whiskey anymore they're adding like yeah, yeah. yeah. At at worst, it's you know just like additives, and uh, you know the, there's a place for it, I guess. But as a as a whiskey snob, I'm, I'm not I'm not likely to participate. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, Let's take a quick break right there, so I can tell you about Run Avalon. RunAvalon.com is a fitness apparel brand based in Avalon, New Jersey, down the shore. But you can only get their apparel online at runavalon.com. Run Avalon set out on a quest to create a running and fitness apparel brand that captured the spirit of those who relish in kicking up before kicking back at the beach. Best part about Run Avalon, if you're staying on Seven Mile Island, Island, which is Avalon and Stone Harbor, they have same day delivery. So you can buy your apparel while you're sitting on the beach and it'll be there. By the time you get back anywhere else in the United States, they have free shipping. It won't be the same day, but it'll be a few days later. They have the best apparel in the running yoga boot camp workout world. Go check them out. Runavalon.com. I was mentioning, I was mentioning earlier that I've liked the way you introduce people to whiskey. So I mean, someone, I'm sure you've had customers saying, come in here and say, I don't know anything about whiskey. Right. Like, what do I order? So how do you, how do you introduce somebody to whiskey? Uh, I think there are a few ways to kind of feel a customer out. First off, you want to find out whether whether they're whether they know whether they're into bourbon, rye, scotch, Irish. They might not know that much. Yeah. If they do, then if they if they do, then you have kind of a uh, a working framework. Or if they don't, you can kind of ask what they've had in the past and enjoy. So if they've had, you know. If they're very limited and so I've had Jack and I've had Jim Beam, well, which one do you like better? Because they have like different qualities and then you can kind of take that avenue to figure out what they might best like, like, you know, a little bit off the beaten path. Yeah, yeah. So if somebody likes, um, if, if, if somebody comes in and has a, a citywide, which is the high life and the granddad and they really like the granddad, I can introduce them to, let's say, a Basil Hayden, which is actually an older version of granddad. So old granddad is probably about four years old. They don't specify, but then Basil Hayden basically is that same product, just kept in a barrel for four years longer. Oh wow! And okay. then and then re-released and you know, cut back on proof if need be. Well, they're 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 actually both eighty proof uh, spirits. So the takeaway is that old granddad, which is fifteen ninety nine a bottle at four years. If it sits in a barrel for four or more years, it becomes an eight-year spirit called Basil Hayden and costs forty-four dollars. Oh my god! Okay, you know? wow, no kidding. Yeah. So, so talking about cost, um, like a Buffalo Trace, what's a poor Buffalo Trace cost? Here we're at eight bucks. Okay, and then what's the most expensive 
whiskey uh, you carry? Um, well, we don't have it at the moment, but the Pappies, are, uh, the Pappy Van Winkles, I'm not sure if you're familiar. No, but not at all. Those, uh, those come out once a year, and they actually also come out from Buffalo Trace. So again, Buffalo Trace is responsible for some of the best whiskeys in the world. Pappy yeah. Van Winkle considered one of them, for sure. And they're located in Kentucky. Burbank, in Kentucky. Kentucky yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So once a year, they release a very limited amount of this Pappy Van Winkle, which is, again, just a, a longer-aged version of another more accessible bourbon uh, called W.L. Weller, okay. which is 1999 a bottle. But when it becomes Pappy, let's say 15 year, 20 year, that shoots up to 250. And that's on the primary market. That's if you're lucky enough to get a bottle. More often than not, if you have a bottle, you bought it on eBay for upwards of $2,000. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, so how much would a pour of that cost here? Here we had the, this past year we only were able to get the 20 year and we, or I'm sorry, the 23 year and we charged $170 a glass. And did anyone buy it? It was gone in a week. No kidding. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And we were on the cheap end. Most people were charging that much for a one ounce pour. All of our pours are two ounces. So two ounces of that whiskey was $170? Yeah, $85 an ounce. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, So you, I guess you advertise that it's coming and then like... as soon as it's here you have people just coming in yep one Instagram post and it's gone we actually limit guests when we're lucky enough to get it to a one ounce pour all of our pours are two ounce but we try to offer that one as a one ounce one because it's $85 is a less challenging price tag than 170 but also it allows 25 people to experience that bottle rather than 12 Mm -hmm. so how long would it take someone to drink that a bottle or just their 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 glass Um, I, I don't I don't think much longer than any other whiskey. No, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, say, like, yeah, uh, how, like... Oh, I see what you're saying. I'm just wondering, like, yeah, right. in 15 minutes, you just spent 170 Yeah, bucks. I would say that's a fair yeah. a fair guess, too. <laughs> wow, that's, that's interesting. Um, all right, so um, Buffalo Trace, I, you know, I feel like they're not as known as, like, Jim Beam and the other guys, but they seemingly have some of the best whiskey and at prices that people can afford too right correct yeah Yeah. i mean what why aren't they more popular do you think uh i think they've found their niche in the craft i think they're the biggest small distillery okay or the smallest big distillery depending on how you look at it but they're right at that kind of uh cusp okay um so they're huge they're a huge they're a huge operation but they're very much craft and everything is very much tightly dialed um they offer very little in the way of like what i always what i always consider which is jim beam as the $15 bottle, so it's the granddad or the white label. They're not really playing that game, mm-hmm. um, so they're not mass-producing on this like international scale. Okay. Their, their flagship Buffalo Trace is a $26 bottle. Okay. So even their entry level is coming up at, at almost twice the price as Jim Beam's. Got it. Okay. So they're, they're still, I don't know, maybe the equivalent would be they're the... Uh, who, who's the big craft beer? Maybe Ballast Point. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. So they're huge, but they're yeah, they're still creating craft yeah, quality too. Yeah, correct. Of course. Yeah. Um, I, I asked you about introducing people to whiskey. So how, how are you supposed to drink it? Are you supposed to drink it uh, neat, neats with no ice, right? Correct. Is that, and then, or with ice or with water? Like, how do you decide on that? Uh, I I always leave it up to the guests. I'll never scoff. You know, especially being kind of like priding myself on on this training wheels approach where you can be a novice here or you can be you know you and I can talk <laughs> you know if yeah. you're if you're the guest sitting across from me on ages and on you know for ages and I'll never get tired of it but uh 
I, I always like to let the guests decide. Um, what I often recommend if they're not sure is a side of ice. So get the whiskey neat, take a sip, add an ice cube, add a couple ice cubes if at that point you feel like it needs it. Yeah. Um, add a little splash of water. Basically, water opens up whiskey in small amounts. Too much dilutes it. The right amount kind of like... Oh, wow. No, it brings out the flavor. Brings out some of the flavor, yeah. Oh, wow. yeah I never exactly. knew that. Okay. Um, especially on some of these overproofs, I tend to like like a nice hearty overproof whiskey. I really love a product called Wild Turkey Rare Breed, which is about 119 proof, but a, a little splash of water goes a long way to kind of like loosen up that heat. Yeah, yeah. What does overproof mean? Over, uh, so to rewind a little bit, um, bourbons and ryes tend to live in the 80 to 90 proof category. If you get your standard bottle of bourbon, if you pick one off the shelf, is most likely going to be 80 proof. Ryes tend to start a little bit higher, like 90 proof. Okay. And then a hundred proof is kind of the cutoff. A hundred proof, if a, if a if a whiskey bottle is four years old, uh, well, the the contents of the bottle are four years old and a yeah. hundred proof. That means bottled in bond, and that just means that it meets a government requirement that it's four years old or more and exactly a hundred proof. Um, and then beyond that, I would call your overproof. So anything over like a hundred into the one tens, one twenties are super okay. high alcohol got it right. um, do, do you find people sipping whiskey and eating dinner as well is there anything that you like any recommendations that you have of combinations uh, I, I wouldn't say so whiskey's you, you know I, I find that that works for wine and beer and you know but I don't yeah I think like that, that cooking with whiskey and like you know classic Kentucky kind of like fried chicken smoke anything in a smoker is going to pair well with a whiskey but I don't think you necessarily need to concern yourself with matching notes the way that you might with wine. Okay. I think whiskey is going to taste good with certain foods, you know, that of course we offer because the menu is tailored to whiskey drinking. Yeah. Um, We also do once a month a whiskey pig dinner, which is an event where we actually do suggest, um, well, we we present three small pork dishes, each one meant to be set, meant to be enjoyed with a a one ounce pour of three different whiskeys okay. that are hyper tailored to kind of flavor profile. No kidding. Yeah. Right. But on the whole, I don't think you're going to order something in a whiskey bar that isn't going to agree with the whiskey. Okay. Yeah. You know, in, in general. How do you know how to match the pork and the whiskey? I mean, how, Just by tasting the, tasting the whiskey and trying to extract, pull out what those flavor components are okay. and then playing into that. So it's almost like reverse. Got it. When when is that event? How does that the third Wednesday of every month? Okay, third. And what is that? What's that cost? And so depends on who is. And I know about this event, but I, and I like it a lot. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Yeah, cool. Sorry. Well, thank you. No, yeah. it's uh, it's typically fifteen dollars for the food element. So you're getting three small plates for fifteen dollars, and then more often than not, it's fifteen dollars for the three whiskeys. So the all t- all in, you're at thirty dollars for. Three pork dishes and three whiskeys. Yeah, it's such a great value. deal. Yeah. yeah. We've had, you know, Whistle Pig or, or a higher-end sponsor come in and, and offer those three pours. So in the event that it's a more expensive whiskey, that the, the second flight, the, the alcohol portion of it might come up a little bit, but never more than $35, $40 for the whole experience. Okay. Um, are there any whiskeys that are better as shots versus better to be sent? Uh, if you want to shoot a whiskey, I would say probably do, don't, 
don't spend more than is necessary. I mean, it's it's in and out. Um, right. I shoot Granddad when I'm feeling like a shot. Um, obviously, the Irish whiskeys are the most common shootable whiskeys. So Jameson is probably the most popular shot on earth. Is it really? I would say so. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Powers has Powers and Bushmills are also in that category of shootable whiskeys. The Irish, to me, tend to be the least complex whiskeys. They have the most kind of like caramel and vanilla. Like almost like a toffee oh, okay. characteristic to them, which makes them incredibly shootable. Okay. Um, so there's less there's less heat. They also live very much on the eighty proof side of the spectrum, so the low end of the spectrum in terms of alcohol quantity. What's the characteristic of a bourbon as far as taste goes? So you just mentioned the caramel and the, the, yeah, the Irish whiskey. Right? right. Right. Um Well, the beauty of bourbon is it's complex there are, you you can find a lot whereas i find the irish to be a little bit one note in that regard bourbon you can find anything from you're always going to find that vanilla butterscotch toffee caramel that just exists in burnt wood you know yeah, right. so that's always going to be there but if you're lucky and you find something you know a, a little bit more esoteric off the beaten path you'll find menthol anise leather you know kind of like oh wow it the spectrum expands uh, infinitely. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know. What's the heat you talk about? What, what is that? Is the, it an actual feeling of uh, hotness in your mouth? Yeah, the heat comes with the proof. Okay. So, by and large, a hot whiskey. Also, also a youthful whiskey. So, uh, a whiskey that's aged lesser and has more alcohol content is going to have that heat. When you, when you go to sniff it, it's just going to hit you in the nose. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then... Also, with like the overproofs, you take a sip and you have a little bit of an uphill battle because you have to, you have to get past the out al- the the alcohol, just the raw alcohol that's hitting you to actually discern the flavors that are underneath it. Oh, wow. So that's why you'll add a little bit of water to help kind of dissipate that that heat. Uh, what, what is the uh, the the idea of smelling or sniffing it before you drink it? it is, do you, do you recommend that? I know it's a fu- funny question. Yeah, but... absolutely. It's uh, basically when you're Sipping a whiskey, there are three kind of stages, and one is the nose, um, which may yield an entirely different flavor than the second phase, which is the palate, which is just running running the whiskey over your tongue and trying to coat all of your tongue so that it hits on every level in terms of your taste buds, which are obviously dispersed throughout, you know, like yeah, sure. locate, located in every part of your tongue. So you want to... Um, allow it to interact with all of those and then the last is the finish the last thing that the whiskey drinker will discuss is the finish and it's another series of flavors and it's also kind of the longevity of how long you get to enjoy it after sipping it oh okay wow yeah. so, so you, if you spend $15 on a bottle <clears throat> it's likely to be young and it's likely to therefore not have a very long finish so you kind of can arrive at a number if you want to if you want to spend $45 on the bottle a lot of people are not sure whether they want to make that leap but also focus on the finish because what what you can quantify as value can can be dictated by how long you get to enjoy the product yeah you know sure I mean? certainly. so if you take a sip and if there's a two ounce pour in front of you and you sip it ten times and each one yields either a second of enjoyment or a minute then you can arrive at that price tag. A little yeah, more right. Easily, of course. You know? So the the pa- Pappy, I keep getting this wrong. Pappy Van Winkle. Mm. I mean, I would imagine you're going to be able to enjoy that longer. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So when when did you get that? Uh, it comes out at the end of the year every year. 
Okay. Um, and there are about five products in that lineup. There's a, a 12-year, a 15-year, a 20-year, and a 23-year, and they're just now releasing a 25-year, which for the first time. No kidding. But we had, I believe, this past year, the 23-year, to speak to the the kind of like bourbon craze that we keep addressing. When we opened five years ago, I was able to get everyone in the lineup, no problem, just picked them up. No and before that, when I was at uh, in New York, you know, I would go to the liquor store and just grab them off the shelf, and they were, you know, maybe sixty bucks a bottle. So now they're wow. not only double, triple in price, but they're also just flying off. Impossible to get your hands <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had five our first year, and I was lucky to get one this past year. Okay, and is that through? I guess you have to buy it through Pennsylvania State. Yes. Uh, so are they are they giving us the they allocate a certain amount to like how does that work with the other are other bars trying to get it as well absolutely okay um, in the old days it would have been an allocation um, it, it's the fervor has come to such an extent that there's actually you have to enter a lottery oh wow yeah uh, so that's how you just got the one yeah, yeah if yeah. I could have gotten them all I would have certainly oh, wow. picked them up but <laughs> and do you get any like if you didn't win the lottery last year do you, are you, do you put up higher the next year as no all? it's Completely no. random. Yeah, it is. Oh, well. Yeah. Okay. I think they're trying to do away with that potentially this year, um, but we'll see. You know, we're, we're always kind of teased with the these lingering Pennsylvania law changes that never really come into fruition. Yeah, sure, I mean, they've happened recently with uh, beer being available in supermarkets and wine to some degree as well, but we're never... I don't, the, the spirits world remains uh, kind of handcuffed by the old ways still. Yeah, certainly. Um, where should someone go to check you guys out online and hear about when that might be released or anything else uh, so definitely lloydwhiskeybar.com is our website and we try and update it well we definitely update it um, every day with food specials and drink specials and anything interesting that might be in the pipeline like a new whiskey um, and then we're uh, we have a solid Instagram presence so that's where I kind of like to communicate a lot of those things that just happen in the moment um, yeah guys I, I appreciate so much of your time and I encourage anyone that is not familiar with Lloyd that's listening to this, go check it out. It's on Girard Avenue in Fishtown. Uh, it really is a great bar. Uh, whether you like whiskey or want to know about whiskey or you don't ever want to try whiskey, you can try one of their great cocktails, and they have great food. Um, and I really appreciate your time, Scott. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Mike. I appreciate it. Okay, so that wraps up the podcast with Scott Kudre of Lloyd Whiskey Bar. Uh, as I mentioned multiple times throughout the podcast, Go check them out. Uh, they're on Girard Avenue in Fishtown. It's a really great bar. You'll have a great time. Uh, if you want to go check them out online, it's LloydWhiskeyBar.com. And Scott mentioned Instagram at the end. Uh, the Instagram handle is Lloyd Whiskey. So thank you, Scott. And if you like the podcast, if you like Broad and Walnut, again, follow us on Twitter at Broad and Walnut and subscribe to us on iTunes. We will be back next week. Thank you.